This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Not too much time to chat tonight, so we'll get straight to the action with the Lone Ranger and the story of Burley Scott's sacrifice. horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty Ohio silver, the Lone Ranger. Faithful Indian companion Tonto, the daring and resourceful mask rider of the plains, led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. Nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. One Silver. Let's go, big fella. I'm still there. Oi! Burley Scott rode the trail toward Pecos with his companion, Luke Baker. Burley, recently released from prison, was tough and hard. As they rode, he spoke grimly. 
Should have heard the warden giving out with a lot of gab about getting a fresh start, Luke. The fool thinks I'm going to forget those three years of hard labor and go straight. That's a laugh. Got any plans, Burley? Yeah. Yeah, I got plans. Maybe you could get another gang together and we can... That'll try come to... later, Luke. What do you figure not doing in the meantime? Something I've thought about for some time. Let me show you something. Ho, 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 ho down. Here. Look at this. <laughs> well, what do you know? <laughs> Nobody would suspect you'd be wearing a fancy gold locket on a gold chain under your shirt. Listen, Luke, if you want to make jokes, I'll blow your... Now, take it easy, Burley. It's no use getting riled at me for nothing. I, uh, surprised to see you have something like that, that's all. I don't like to be laughed at, you savvy. Sure, sure. Uh, what about the locket? I'll open it. Look. Hey. It's sure a mighty pretty little girl. Pretty woman, too. Who are they? My wife and kid. Huh? The young one was two years old then. That was ten years ago. Oh? Where are they now, you know? My wife left me when she found out I was an outlaw. And took the girl, little Sally, with her. I never saw them again. It was tough. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh. Why did you show me that, Burley? What's it got to do with you're not starting another gang right now? Plenty. After she divorced me, my wife married someone else. A nombre named Fairfield who owns a ranch near Pecos. Huh. You don't figure on stopping in to see him after all these years, do you? Listen, Luke. An old pal of mine was brought to the prison a couple of months ago. He told me my former wife was dead. Died last year. He also told me Jack Fairfield was worth plenty. The ranch he owns, the Bar F, is mighty prosperous. What's that to you? My pal found out that Fairfield thinks the world is Sally. She's 12 years old now. I figure she thinks he's a real father. Well, that's all good for the youngsters, I see. Now, maybe it is. But I aim to make Jack Fairfield pay plenty for me to keep my mouth shut. And what if he doesn't? I'll tell Sally the truth. And if that doesn't work... Well, I'll find some other way to make him pay off. Oh, come on. Burley, give up this local idea. We get to Pecos, I can get some hombres together and we can form My a... My mind's new... made up, Luke. No use trying to talk me out of it. Now, let's get a move on. Get up there. Get come up. on. Huh. A few miles from Pecos, the Lone Ranger and his Indian companion, Tonto, rode leisurely along the trail that bordered the Bar F Ranch. Look, Kimasabe, little squaw and pony waiting near entrance to the ranch. She's already seen us, Tonto. I hope my mask doesn't frighten her. Hello, mister. Hello, little girl. My name's Sally, and I live here. Um, are you an outlaw? No, Sally. We're not outlaws. You needn't be frightened. Oh, I'm not frightened. Why do you wear that mask, mister? I have my reasons, Sally. Maybe if we meet again sometime, I'll tell you. Good. Um, aren't you afraid of that Indian? <laughs> Tonto is my friend. A very close and loyal friend. <laughs> is that right, Sally? Him not need be afraid of me. You must be a good Indian. Daddy Jack says there are good Indians and bad ones. Just like there are good white men and bad ones. That's right. 
Who's Daddy Jack? Daddy Jack Fairfield. He's my adopted father, and he owns the Bar F Ranch. Oh, I've heard of him. That's a fine pony you have, Sally. Daddy Jack gave him to me for my birthday. He gives me lots of nice presents. Today's my birthday. I'm 12 years old. Well, happy birthday. Mm, Did yeah. he give you that nice gold locket and chain, too? Oh, no. Mama gave me that before she died. She told me my real daddy has one just like it. See? It opens. There's a picture of Mommy and me when I was two years old. Well, your mother was very pretty. You look very much like her. You think I'm pretty? Of course. Ah, uh, you very pretty, little girl. Golly, thanks. I I think you're both handsome. I... <laughs> Akimasabi, er, get along all right when I grow up. Huh? <laughs> yes, Tonto. We might ride this way in about six years and see if Sally still thinks we're so handsome. You're joking with me. But I hope I'll see you again soon. And then you'll tell me about the map. I'm sure we'll see you again, Sally. Well, I have to go now. I'm having a birthday party this afternoon. Goodbye, mister. Goodbye, Tonto. Goodbye, Sally. Get up, Sally. Get up. Oh, very nice little girl. Yes, she is, and well-mannered. It's evident she's been brought up in the atmosphere of affection and security every child needs. Come on, Silver. Come on. Come. The following morning, Burley Scott, leaving Luke in town with his friends, rode to the Bar F Ranch to talk to Jack Fairfield. Oh, oh there. As he drew rein before the large, comfortable-looking ranch house... He was filled with bitterness and determination. Steady. <laughs> Burley stood waiting a moment. Then the door was opened by a kind-faced, motherly-looking woman. Good morning, sir. Morning. I came to talk to Jack Fairfield. It's important. Oh, I'm sorry. But Mr. Fairfield left on the early stage for Stockton on business. I'm Mrs. Atkins, the housekeeper. Can I help you? Hello. When will Fairfield be back? Well, he'll return on the noon stage tomorrow. Are, uh, are you married to Mr. Fairfield? I know his wife died last year, yeah, but maybe he... sakes, no. As I told you, my name is Atkins, and I'm just the housekeeper. You know, between you and me, I think Jack Fairfield was too much in love with his wife ever to marry again. Oh, I'm mighty lucky in a way. Being a widow, I jumped at the chance to come here and sort of look after things for Mr. Fairfield, the poor man. Ah, it was quite a blow to him, losing that sweet wife of his and them having little Sally to raise. Sally? Oh, yeah. Well, she's I, a little uh... girl, you know. Mm -hmm. Pretty as a picture and sweet as can be. He's like putty in her hands. <laughs> but, but so are all the others around here. The girl, she, uh, she likes her, uh, father a lot, hmm? Oh, just crazy about him, and no wonder. She's the apple of his eye, and he's always doing things for her and buying her presents. And if you want to leave your name, I'll tell him you were here. Never mind. I'll come back tomorrow afternoon. <clears throat> Goodbye, ma'am. Goodbye, sir. As Burley walked toward his horse, Sally ran around the house. Hello. Who are you? I live here. I'm Sally Fairfield. Oh, so you're... 
You're Sally, hmm? You look just like your mom. Oh, you knew mama? Yeah, I, I met her once. Why are you scowling like that? Are you mad at somebody? No, I, I ain't mad. Daddy Jack says being mad never helps anybody. Daddy Jack? Uh-huh. That's my adopted father. That's why I call him Daddy Jack. Mama told me my real father was the only one I should call Daddy. She told you that? Uh-huh. What else did she tell you? About your real father, I mean. Well, she said he went to the war and died a hero when I was two years old. Of course, I don't remember him, but I know he was brave and handsome. and would have been good to me, just like Daddy Jack is. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon he would have been at that. You, uh, you must think a lot of Mr. Fairfield. Uh-huh. Are you a friend of Daddy Jack? Well, not exactly. I... I came to see about a job, you might say. I'd like if you came to work for Daddy Jack. Oh, you, you would? Uh-huh. I like you. Now that you're not scowling, you look real kind and sort of sad. What's your name, mister? Well, uh, tell me first, what, what was your real father's name, do you know? I just know him as Daddy. Mama never told me his other name. Oh, well, well my name's... Uh, just call me Scotty. All right, Mr. Scotty. Maybe if you come to see Daddy Jack when he gets home, I'll see you again. You'll like him a lot. Yeah, sure. Well, I got to go into town now, Sally. You will come back. Maybe. Be, be a good girl, Sally. Goodbye. Goodbye. Get up. That morning at the Pecos Cafe, Burley's friend Luke sat talking to two cronies. I met Burley Scott at the prison and rode here with him, hoping he'd get together with us as a gang right away. But he has a deal he wants to pull first. I told him to forget it, but he's a stubborn hombre. Listen, Luke, the job I got lined up won't wait. What is it, Wishes? I got talking to some cowpokes in here last night. They were drinking quite a bit and got to yapping about their boss closing a deal in Stockton today for $20,000 in cash. He's bringing that cash back with him on the stage tomorrow. That's right, Luke. I heard it, too. He took his foreman with him. Joe and I figure we could hold up the stage tomorrow and grab that door. But we ought to have two more gun hands. They're willing to divide equal. Yeah. Maybe when Burley gets back, I can talk him into going with us. He ought to know before tomorrow how his deal with Fairfield at the uh, Bar Referential turned out. Did you say he went to make a deal with Fairfield? Yeah. Huh. That's the name of the rancher who's bringing the cash on the stage tomorrow. What? He left for Stockton this morning. That's right. Oh. And Burley won't get to see him like he planned. Now, listen. Don't mention Fairfield's name to Burley. He doesn't know him by sight. Why? What's the difference if we mention it? Burley might figure it would spoil his private deal with Fairfield later. When Burley gets back to town, I'll talk him into going with us tomorrow. And we'll hold up the stage and grab that 20000 The curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger adventure. 
Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments. Whiskers and Joe planned the stage robbery. Burley Scott rode back to town from his visit to the Bar F Ranch. He had been greatly moved by his meeting with his daughter, Sally, and her words had taken the bitterness from his heart. Oh, oh there. When he finally reached town and met Luke and his two friends in the cafe, Burley had come to a decision. Well, here's Burley now. Sit down, Burley. Sure. Meet my friends, Whiskers and Joe. Tell us this is Burley. Oh, yeah, howdy, right. Burley. How'd you make out? Luke, I'm taking your advice. I'm forgetting the whole thing. Good. Glad to hear it. Burley, we got a job lined up for tomorrow, and we're counting you in. Suits me, whatever it is. And we leave here and head into New Mexico territory. Now tell me what it is you have in mind. <laughs> following morning, Toto went into Pecos for supplies. When he returned later, he brought news of interest. I'm waiting for you, Toto. We'll break camp this morning and right... We see two men. We get handled about in El Paso. One fellow tall. Wear whiskers. Other stocky. You saw them in town? Ah. Them riding from town, heading for trail to Stockton with two other fellows. We'll pick up their trail and follow them. Here, Silver. See, steady, big fellow. One Silver. Burley and his three companions rode out the Stockton Trail to meet the stage on which Jack Fairfield was returning with his foreman. Burley was saying, Hope you hombres are right about the rancher bringing 20000 in cash. Well, we heard the cowpoke saying so in the cafe, didn't we, Joe? Yep. We'll split the cash four ways, Burley. And if you want, we'll head for New Mexico territory. Where are we going to wait for the stage? Do you have any particular place in mind? There's some big boulders about two miles from town. We'll wait behind them. We figure the rancher and his foreman will be riding in the coach. The driver and guard will be on a seat. 
That'll make it four against four. Unless there's more passengers, which isn't likely on that short run. Luke, uh, you cover the driver and guard. All right. We'll take care of the passengers, including the rancher with the cash. There the boulders just ahead. Good. We shouldn't have long to wait. It's almost noon now. Come on, get him, get him, get him, get him. A short distance away, the stagecoach creaked and bumped along the trail toward Pecos. Jack Fairfield and his foreman, Tex, sat in the coach. Tex was saying, I'm sure glad I don't have to ride one of these contraptions off of Mr. Fairfield. It sure is tough riding. <laughs> a little bouncing around will do you good, Tex. You'll appreciate that roan I gave you a lot more. I sure will. Don't see why we didn't ride horseback in the first place. You forget the pony cart that's lashed on top of this stage, Tex. I promised Sally I'd get her one, and I didn't want to wait for it to be shipped. Decided to take the stage and bring it back with me. Oh, yeah, I did forget. Man alive, she go loco when she sees that. You sure are good to her, boy. You and the hands spoil her far more than I do. But she's worth it. Yep, she sure is. We'll soon be coming to our... Holy mackerel, look out! Oh, oh, oh. All right, Jiminy, I'll get fire text. We like sitting ducks inside this old rattle trap. Anyhow, we have nothing to lose, and the stage isn't carrying valuables. Four of them, boss. Luke, you cover that driver and guard. Right, I got him covered. Two of you. Keep your guns holstered and get out. Come on, Tex. Now stand together with your hands up. We got you covered. We're reaching high, mister. Get their wallets, Whiskers. Right. Yeah, I got them. Open them, Whiskers. Right. Hey, only a few paper dollars in each of them. What? I thought you said one of them had 20000 in cash. Yeah, he's tricking us. Search him, Burley. Keep him covered. Yeah. Nothing in their pockets in the way of cash. Which one of you is Jack Fairfield? I am. Jack. Jack Fairfield? That's right. And the 20000 you're after was deposited in the Stockton Bank. I'm not fool enough to carry it with me. You're lying. Hit it someplace when you saw it's coming. Now, where is it? I already told you. I thunder, I say you lie. If I wasn't covered, you wouldn't dare say that, mister. Tell me where it really is or I'll drill you. It's in the bank. Why, oh, you sneaking polecat. I'll... Hold it, Luke. Go. Oh. Hey. Why did Burley jump in front of Fairfield and take your bullet, Luke? Ah, uh, the fool. I'll get Fairfield anyway. Drop that gun. Hey. Oh, my leg. Look. Smash, I'm being an Indian. Oh, Whiskers, hurry up. Shoot, shoot. I'll get that mask on, Bray. Hold it. Mister, if you two came to rob us... We're not outlaws. Well, in spite of that mask, we have to thank you for what you did. I don't know who you are, but I you sure do. came... By golly, I saw him in action before. He's the Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger? I've heard of you and your friend... We're grateful, mister. By thunder, all four of the outlaws are wounded. In fact, this one here looks like he's dead. He's the one who saved my life. Saved your life? Yes. He jumped in front of me and took the bullet when the one over there fired at me. Uh, this is my foreman, Tex. Howdy. I'm Jack Fairfield. Oh, yes. Well, Tex, if you'll cover those outlaws, Tonto will bandage their wounds while I look after the one who saved Mr. Fairfield. Right. I'll get the guns and watch them. This man is alive but unconscious. But I'm sure he'll be all right. I'll loosen his collar. What's that around his neck? Gold chain and locket. Oh, wait. I've seen this before. A little girl. 
Your adopted daughter, Sally, wore it. Yes. If anything's happened to... Hold on. That's not the one Sally wears. Hers is brightly shined. His is dull-looking. Well, look here. The same picture's inside. A real father was an outlaw, went to prison. He had a similar locket. This man must be Sally's father, Bertie Scott. Has he ever met you? Never. But he did save my life. I'll have him taken to my ranch at once and get a doctor. Good. We'll tie up the other three and ask the driver and guard to take them onto the sheriff's office after they leave Scott at your place. Later, in a bedroom at the Bar F Ranch, Burley opened his eyes slowly and looked up to see Jack Fairfield with a masked man and Indian bending over him. Where, where am I? How did I I'm get... Jack Fairfield, remember? You saved my life, Burley. You, you know who I am? Yes. And Sally? Sally doesn't know, Burley. Oh, she, she must never know. She talked to me yesterday. Said her father was brave. Died a hero. Hey, that, that mask, who's... He's a trusted friend, Burley. I don't know why you did what you did, but I sure am grateful. Hesitatingly, Burley told of his visit to the ranch and of his talk with Sally. He said he had decided Sally was better off as she was and had intended to leave the territory. Then he said, uh, I suppose now when I get better, I, I go back to prison. Burley, I'm going to try to have you put on probation in my charge. Yeah. Then if you want to, you'll come to work for me. You'll be right here with Sally from now on. Well, I don't know what to say. I, I reckon it'll help me go straight seeing her so happy. Wait a minute. Sally, honey, come in a minute. All right, Daddy Jack. I knew the masked man and Indian were here. Scotty, you hurt. Oh, Scotty. Your friend Scotty is going to be well soon, Sally. Then he's going to work here. Would you like that? Oh, yes. I like Scotty a lot. I'll be your nurse, too. Why? Oh, I, I like that, Sally. Poor Scotty. There. Gosh, I... That's the best thing that ever happened to me. Must be getting a cold. See? Now you don't look sad. You're smiling, Scotty. I asked Mrs. Atkins who was in here, and she said a man who saved Daddy Jack's life. And then I saw it was you. You're brave. Just like my real father was. Sally, honey, it, it was worth taking a bullet to, to hear you say that. Come, Sally. Scotty needs rest now. And after that, I suppose you and Mrs. Atkins will smother him with attention. Well, Mr. Mr. Fairfield, if, if Sally could sit here a while and maybe hold my hand... May I, Daddy Jack? May I? Of course, honey. That's just what your daddy wants you to do. We'll be back later. Adios, Scotty. And good luck always. Goodbye, Sally. No, wait. You made a promise. You said you'd tell me why you wore that... Matt, the next time we met, remember? Yes, I remember. Oh, perhaps Mr. Fairfield will tell you for me after we leave. I'll be glad to. Goodbye, sir. Adios. Come on, Tyler. Uh -huh. Goodbye. Come back soon. 
Now, Daddy Jack, tell me. Sally, he wears that mask because he helps keep law and order in the West and tries to set things right for other people. He does those things because he loves his fellow men and he loves his country. It's his wish that nobody know who he really is. But folks out this way, liking and respecting him for his courage and kindness, call him the Lone Ranger. Feature of the Lone Ranger Incorporated, created by George W. Trendle, produced by Trendle Campbell Muir Incorporated, and directed by Charles D. Livingston. Tonight's drama was written by Dan Beatty. Stay tuned for The Great Gildersleeve next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Harold Perry to star as the Great Gildersleeve. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. (laughs) The Kraft Cheese Company, who also bring you Bing Crosby every Thursday night, present each week at this time Harold Perry as the Great Gildersleeve, written by Leonard L. Levinson. And now let's visit our friend, the great Gildersleeve, who we find covered with oil and grease, having just finished fixing Bertie's sewing machine. Well, your sewing machine's all fixed now, Bertie. You should hear that singer hum. Oh, thank you, Mr. Gildersleeve. Is it all right to use now? Oh, yes, indeed, Bertie. Go right ahead. No reason now why you can't sew on the little so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's fine. Now I can run up my new summer uniform for the mysterious and bewildering order of the Daughters of Cleopatra. Oh, yes. What kind of a summer uniform? Oh, we just switch from the heavy to the lightweight veil. <laughs> Hi, Uncle Mort. Uh, 
Bertie. Hello. Say, Unc, how'd you get all that oil on your hands and face? You look like you've been playing post office in a grease pit. Yeah. Post office in a grease pit? Well, uh, I never played post office there. Though I never mind the frantic antics of my youth. <laughs> I look this way because I just finished fixing Bertie's machine. Yes, and now I just put my foot on the pedal and away it goes. Yeah. Couldn't have been a better job done if a real mechanic done did it. Yes, of course not. I'm an expert. Don't forget, I had hundreds of them at the Gildersleeve Girdle Works. Anytime, <laughs> anytime we had a breakdown, I'd bounce right out of my office and fix the trouble before the motor had a chance to slow down. Gee, I never knew that. Well, I, I could take a machine like Bertie's apart and put it together again in the dark in less time than it take the average mechanic in broad daylight. And another thing, a bell. Oh, my goodness. A visitor mustn't see me in this disgraceful condition. I hope there's plenty of hot water, Bertie. Okay, okay, I'm coming. Oh, hello, Miss Banks. Come right in. Thanks, Bertie. Oh, Marge, Penny Banks is here. My, my, that ain't the snappiest uniform I ever did see. What, you supposed to be a lady general? <laughs> no, Bertie, this is the Red Cross Motor Corps uniform. What do you folks do, doctor fix automobiles? No, but we're supposed to know how to fix our own cars. Well, I have to get back in the kitchen before Leroy hollers that he's feeling hollow. Here's Marjorie, Betty. Oh, sorry to kept you waiting, darling. Well, you needn't have hurried. I don't think we'll be able to start the motor mechanics course this afternoon after all. We won't? Why not? Well, Mr. Cobb, who was supposed to show us how to tear down a motor, can't be there. Oh, that's too bad. Gee, it'll be almost impossible to reach the girls and tell them not to come. Yeah. I don't know what we can do. Oh, gee, why don't you ask Uncle Mort to teach you? Does he know anything about automobile motors? Oh, sure. He's a whiz. He can take whole cars apart and put them together blindfolded in the dark. Well, I never knew that, Leroy. <laughs> well, I, I didn't either up until a few minutes ago. But he's fixed up Bertie's old jalopy so that she just puts her foot down on a pedal and away she goes. Oh, no, Leroy. No one could repair that coffee grinder. Well, Uncle Mort did. He used to fix all the trucks at his girdle works himself. Before they could even come to a stop. <laughs> well, it sounds like your uncle can save the day for us, Marjorie. Shall we ask him? Well, this is all news to me, but why not? Oh, Uncle Moore. Uh, yes, Marjorie? Can you come here for a moment? Oh, I certainly. What is it, my dear? Uh, hello there, Penny. Hello. Oh, uh, my, you look attractive in that outfit. <laughs> hey, by the way, what outfit is that outfit for? <laughs> Well, it's the Red Cross, and we need your help. Why, certainly. How much, my oh, dear? Just a couple of your hour, hours of your time, Uncle. Uh? We'd like to have you come over to headquarters and show us how to take apart and put together a motor. Like you did for Bertie, Uncle. Oh, yes, Bertie's, of course. The Red Cross used a lot of them. When do you want me? Oh, this afternoon, Mr. Gildersleeve. Uh, come, come, Penny. Don't be formal. Just call me Uncle Mort. Well... Will you, Uncle Moore? Oh, I'm sure you could get somebody, well, somebody better qualified. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, now, don't be modest, Uncle. Uh, You'd be I'm wonderful nervous. for this. Uh? <laughs> Besides, the man we wanted couldn't show up. Oh, well, I don't know. Oh, I... you wouldn't want to disappoint all those pretty girls. Oh, uh, pretty girls. Well, <laughs> of course, if you put it that way, <laughs> I'll come. <laughs> oh, fine. Uh? And you better make your talk fairly simple. Some of our girls don't know the difference between a hose connection and a garter. Oh, they don't, eh? Well, I'd have a hard time telling them apart myself. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's stretching it a little bit. <laughs> oh, Uncle Mord, always joking. Oh, uh... <laughs> Tell the truth, I'm not so sure about several things myself. Now, take the differential. Uh, no, thank you. If I did, I wouldn't know what to do with it. 
Oh, now be serious, Uncle Morton. Huh? You sound as if you didn't know a thing about cars. I don't. But I know sewing machines from bobbin to shuttle. Oh, sewing machine. Oh, Uncle. Really, Marjorie, your uncle says the most amusing thing. Well, I don't see why you have to go into stitches about sewing machines. Oh, we just no kidders. Uh, glad you liked it. Oh, let's get going now. Oh, come on. Oh, be down at headquarters at two, please, Uncle Mort. Uh, goodbye, Leroy. Bye. Don't be late, Uncle. Uh, goodbye, girls. Uh, Leroy, what's so funny about sewing machines? Were they giving me the needle? I don't know. You were the one who brought them up. Well, I did not. They asked me to come to Red Cross headquarters and show the girls how to take care of them, didn't they? Oh, no, no. Not sewing machines. Automobiles, Unc. What? Oh, but I never... Oh, what have I gotten myself into? Gee, what's wrong, Unc? I don't know anything about automotors, Leroy. Why, on half of the new cars, I don't even know how to raise the hood. Gee, Uncle Mort, I didn't mean to get you in this jam. Where are we going? To find the mechanic to fix my lecture. <laughs> now, uh, this garage we're coming to, Mike. No, no, no soap, Uncle. Look, this shop closed Saturday afternoons. Oh, leaping lima beans. Come on, Leroy. town this is. So far, only one mechanic who works on Saturday afternoons, and he can't speak English. Well, cheer up, Unc. Maybe there's one here. I hope so. I'm getting corns on my bunions. Well, uh, now that I've explained the whole thing to you, mister, how about coming with me? Who, me? Oh, I ain't no mechanic. You're not? Then what are you doing in this garage wearing overalls and carrying a wrench? Oh, I'm the plumber. Good. Maybe the girls have all gone home by now. No. No, they've waited. They have? There's a whole gang of them inside. Boy, are they keen lookers. They look like a bunch of magazine covers. Yeah, well, this is the first time I'd rather be looking at popular mechanics. <laughs> oh, come on now, Uncle Mort. Give me the old line. Yeah, and he'll take the old line and hang me with it. <laughs> well, there's Marge, and she sees us. Yeah. We can't back out now. No. Oh, come in, Uncle Mort. Oh, uh, thank you, Marjorie. Uh, sorry we're late. <laughs> Hello, Leroy. I didn't know you were coming along, too. Oh, I figured if I came and listened to Uncle Mort, I'd hear things I never knew before. Yeah. Oh, Penny. Penny, here's Uncle Mort now. Oh, at last. Uh, girls, girls, here's a man who can tear a motor down and put it back together again, blindfolded, just as easily as he can with his eyes open. Well, that's no lie. Shh, Leroy. <laughs> you to meet Mr. Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. Yes. Hello, girls. Hello, <laughs> yeah. Mr. Gildersleeve. Oh, come, come. Don't call me Mr. Gildersleeve. Just call me Uncle Mort. Oh, and this is Mrs. Salisbury Twitchell, Uncle Mort. Oh, yes. How do you do? Uh, <laughs> uh, charmed, Mrs. Twitchell. The pleasure's all mine. I dare say you're right. <laughs> Mrs. Twitchell's been kind enough to lend us her station wagon, Uncle And you're sure, Mr. Gildersleeve, that you're an expert in these matters Oh, don't worry about your benzene buggy, Mrs. Twitchy <laughs> You'd be surprised at just how much I know <laughs> yeah, If all you sweet young things will gather around 
And uh, you too, Mrs. Twitchell. <laughs> I'll explain all the important features. Excuse me. Mind if I come in and listen? Oh, hello, Judge Hooker. What are you doing here? Oh, I just came down to see you in action, guilty old pal. <laughs> Bertie told me where you were, and I figured I might learn something. <laughs> the old goat. <laughs> uh, ladies, this is Judge Hooker. How do you do, ladies? Uh, judge who never has to lay down the law, because after he's through with it, it lays down by itself. <laughs> Gildy, suppose you stop gassing and get started. Yes, all right. Uh, now, ladies, in studying the modern motor, uh, the first thing we encounter is the hood. Every car should have a hood. Uh, do I make myself clear? Oh, yes, Uncle Mowat. Uncle Mowat. Uh, that's right. We're all one big family here, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the hood uh, covers the motors, I said. Uh, uh, well, now that we've covered the motor... Uh... Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Uncle. Yes. Suppose you tell us what goes on under the hood when you start the motor. Oh, uh, uh, yes. Uh, maybe you'd like to tell the girls, Judge. No, 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 no. I wouldn't rob you of the pleasure for anything. You just go right ahead. Yes, all right. And now, first you touch the starter. That starts the car. Unless, of course, you forget to turn on the ignition key. Well, uh, suppose you turn the key and step on the starter, but the battery is dead. Who is that? <laughs> oh, yes, I see you now, my dear. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, that brings us down to uh, dead batteries. Now, a dead battery... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Yes. You aren't finished with the motor yet. In fact, you haven't started it. Well, how can I with a dead battery? <laughs> Yes. Now, to get back to the motor, or as we experts call it, the engine. <laughs> the strange thing about an engine is that it might be missing and still be right there. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> this happens when the spark plugs fail. And, uh... Then the last of the gas is exhausted out of the exhaust. Well, that reminds me, I'm exhausted myself. Uh, here's a chair, Uncle Moore. Uh, thank you. It's a nice car. Let's get out of here pretty soon. You're right. Well, uh, if it's all clear to you now, ladies... Oh, uh, wait, wait, wait. I'm sure the girls have loads and loads of questions for you. Yes, that's what I thought, you backseat driver. <laughs> all right, girl. Well, uh, isn't the muffler supposed to keep the motor warm? And how often do you oil the fan belt? If you have an electric heater, do you still need a radiator? Uh, well, yes and no. <laughs> and those are very good questions, girls. It shows you were paying attention. <laughs> now, suppose we take them up, say, uh, next week. Oh, let's finish them up now. The afternoon is still young. Yes, but I'm not. Oh. <laughs> relax, relax. I figured out a nice, simple way for you to answer all the girls' questions. Uh, what's that, Judge? Just show them everything you've been talking about by taking the motor all apart. Why, that's a splendid idea, Uncle Moore. Oh, Marjorie, my own flesh and blood, too. <laughs> oh, that should be very interesting, shouldn't it, girl? Yes, I Don't you think so, Mrs. Twitchell? Well, I'm not sure. I know less about automobiles now than I knew when I came here. It's beyond me how anyone who looks so simple can make everything look so complicated. 
<laughs> Go ahead, Gildersleeve. Uh, you double-crossing dodo. I'd be glad to do it, folks, only I didn't bring any tools. Oh, well, there's a complete set in the car, Mr. Gildersleeve. Oh, fine. Uh, too bad I'm wearing my best clothes, though, isn't it? What, that suit suit? Yep. <laughs> Here's a pair of coveralls, huh? Gee, I just found them. Coveralls? Well, well, isn't that just peachy? Your uncle's little helper, aren't you, Leroy? (laughs) Yes, sir. There's a place over here where you can put them on, Uncle. Oh, well, after such a build-up, I guess I'll have to tear down the motor. Come on, Leroy. Here, hold my coat. Young man, what's the big idea? Uncle, I found an instruction book and a catalog of parts in that lady's car. It shows how to fix the motor, too. Fix the motor? Oh, that's help. Where is it? I hid it back in the water cooler out there. That way, every time you get stuck, just go over and take a drink. Then you can sneak a look at the book. Uh, Sneak back and... You're a bright boy, Leroy. (laughs) You ready now, Uncle Mort? Uh, Ready? Uh, Not from a mechanical standpoint, Leroy, but let's go. Well, 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 here we are again. Well, shall we begin? Oh, I see you've removed the hood, Judge Hooker. Yes, and here are your tools, Gildy. Now, quiet, girls, quiet. Yeah, quiet. Pay attention to Uncle Mort. As a mechanic, I'll bet he's a panic. Yes. <laughs> well, come on, girls. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Oh, <laughs> don't crowd me so, girls. Oh, what am I saying? I don't mind it crowding a bit. <laughs> oh, Uncle Mort, uh, what's that little round piece of machinery? Uh, where? Right there. Uh, oh, that. Well, that's the, uh, let me see now. Uh, well, that's funny. I'm a bit thirsty. Excuse me while I go get a drink of water. <laughs> oh, isn't he fascinating? I'm going to ask him what I should do about my clutch. <laughs> Just trim your nails, honey. <laughs> And why one needs both a radiator and a heater. Uh, and now, my dears, uh, what was that question? Well, I just wanted to know what this little round dingus is. Oh, that. Uh, that's the generator. Number 4B3328 amps, sells for 895 FOB Detroit. <laughs> Thinks he's smart. Yeah. Uh, you have to take it off before you can get the motor out, Gildy. Yeah, I knew that. Hand me the wrench, Leroy. Thanks. Now, all I have to do is... Oh! Oh, are you all right? Uh, just a little shock, my dear. Uh, I'll be all right just as soon as I get another drink of water. I'll get it for you, Uncle. Uh, never mind. I'll feel better if I get it myself. I don't know why I should be so thirsty. Uh, something I had for lunch, no doubt. I'll be right back and dismantle the motor. According to my watch, it took you just two hours to take that motor apart. Well, Gildersleeve, I've got to hand it to you. In all my experience, I've never seen a man do so much work and drink so much water at the same time. <laughs> yes, I've been to the cooler more times than a patrol wagon. <laughs> Better sit down, Uncle. You look a little seasick. Huh? It's not that, Leroy. It's just the tide coming in. <laughs> Mr. Gildersleeve has certainly revealed all the mysteries of a motor. But I still don't understand the difference between a heater and a radiator. Yeah. Oh, Uncle Mort, I think you're just wonderful. And I think you're just... 
thank you, my dear. <laughs> well, I don't think anyone was more amazed than I was. Oh, Marge, I know someone who was. Be quiet, Leroy. <laughs> Say, girls, I've got an idea. How about you being my guest for tea and sandwiches? Now, there's a nice little place right around the corner. Oh, Betty. Oh, oh that's very kind of you, Judge Hooker. Come on, everybody. Yeah, all right, but I'll have to wash up first. Oh, no, you mustn't waste any time going to tea, Mr. Gildersleeve. Uh, why not, Miss Twitchell? Because you have to put my motor back together again. Oh. I'll need it to drive out to my country place later on. Oh, yes. I forgot all about your motor. Anyway, I'm so full of water, I couldn't have drunk tea anyway. I'll stay and help you, Uncle Mort. Uh, thanks, Leroy. Run along, girls, now. I don't mind. Bye. Go along, Gildy, old chap. And I hope you know where to put all those parts. I know where everything should go, Judge, including you. <laughs> Leroy, I'm not a violent man, but someday I'm going to play soccer all day with that little all-day soccer. <laughs> oh, cheer up, Uncle Mort. I bet you can put this motor back together again even faster than... Oh. What's that? If Marty! Oh! Daddy! Oh, look, the army's outside, Leroy. Excuse me, sir. I brought down a detachment of men from Fort Platt. We were told that there would be a group of Red Cross canteen hostesses here to meet the men. Oh, well, I don't know where they could be. Say. Why, yes, that's what I'll do. How many soldiers have you got outside, Captain? 142. 142. Splendid. If one of our public-spirited citizens just took the girls out for a snack, now, I'm sure he'd love to have you join them. Just march your gang over to the tea shop around the corner and ask for Judge Hooker. He'd be tickled pink to see you. <laughs> And now back to Gildersleeve and Leroy, who have succeeded in putting the motor back together again and have returned home. More fried onions, Mr. Gildersleeve? Uh, no, thanks, Bertie. I only ate these to get them out of my sight. They look like piston rings, and I never want to look a piston ring in the face again. <laughs> How about you, Leroy? Oh, nothing more, thanks. Well, I think I'll go to an early movie now. Yeah, maybe I'll go with you. Is there a Hopalong Cassidy playing around here anyplace? No, you've seen all the new Hopalongs. How about going to see an Eastern picture for a change? Yeah. Yeah, no, Leroy. When I go to a picture show, I want to hear a lot of shooting. It keeps me awake. Well, I'll run along now. I'll be back early. All right. Uh, careful little dessert, Mr. Gilfrey. Well, that depends on what you have to offer. Well, there's some custard and a slice of devil's food cake and some pie left over from yesterday. Or you can have some stewed fruit and icebox cookies. Or fix some fresh tapioca pudding. And, of course, there's still some of that strawberry ice cream. Oh, fine. That'll be just right for me. <laughs> you mean all of them? Oh, no, I wouldn't stuff myself with all of them. You can skip the stewed fruit. Oh. <laughs> okay. My, it takes a wide variety of desserts to make a wide variety of gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, never mind. I'll get that doorbell, Bertie. Hello, Gildersleeve. Can I see you a minute? Sure. Take a good look. <laughs> no, I want to talk to you, Throckmorton. What do you want, you little snake in the bush? <laughs> I'm a snake. Say you just stuck me with 142 soldiers. Oh, yes, the army. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> well, what do you want, Judge? I seem to have lost my watch. Huh? The last I remember, I took it out and set it down to time you when we were at Red Cross headquarters. Oh, did you go back there and look for it? Yes, I was there just now, but I couldn't find hide nor hairspring of it. Yes, hairspring. Sure you didn't happen to pick it up? I'm not accustomed to picking up other people's watches, Hooker. It's a nasty habit that gets you into bad company. 
You start associating with judges and people like that. Cut the comedy, you big clown. Yeah. Now let's try to figure out what's happened to that watch. Uh, was it valuable? I should say. Given to me by the grand jury after we indicted that fake jewelry racket mob. Oh, left over from the investigation, no doubt. <laughs> it was not. This watch cost a couple of hundred dollars. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what's worrying you, Hooker? I just remembered. I set the watch down on the engine block. Well, that's funny. I didn't see it when we were putting the motor back together. Oh, maybe it's in one of the cylinders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that could have happened very easily, couldn't it? Yes, it could. Well, don't stand there. Do something. Help me. Why should I help you, you misguided little nincompoop? <laughs> that's no way to talk to your pal, Throcky. Hey, pal. Oh, come on, come on. We've got to rush down there and tear that motor apart again and rescue that watch before that woman drives it away. Oh, you mean Mrs. Salisbury Twitchell. Eh? Sounds like a nervous hamburger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The minute she starts that motor, my beautiful watch will be ground up into junk. Please, Gildersleeve, please. I'm sorry I was mean to you this afternoon. Well, all right. I'll come down and help you, baby. But first, I'm going to have a bit of dessert. You care to join me in a dish of custard, Judge? No. Come on. There isn't a moment to lose. No, no. All in good time. She won't start that car. Your watch is safe. What makes you think so? Because after Leroy and I had the motor all put together again, we found six or seven parts we forgot to put in. Oh. <laughs> well, there's the station wagon, and it looks like the coast is clear. Yes, Judge. There doesn't seem to be any sign of that old battle axe. Uh, hello there, Mr. Switchell. <laughs> oh, hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. I've just packed some boxes to be sent overseas. I wonder if you'd put them in the back of my car. Oh, Judge Hooker will only be too glad to do that, won't you, Judge? Uh, oh, yes, yes, of course. Uh, oh, thank you. Well, they're right in here. Uh, Look, pal, I'll take Madam Hoity Toity out of here while you dig into that motor for my watch. Nothing doing, chum. I've been through that engine once today. I'll lure the old buffalo away. After all, I'm more of a lady killer than you are. Yeah, they look at you and laugh, and laugh themselves to death. Yes. Okay, I'll resign. No, 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 I apologize. Yeah. See if you can get her away from here, and then I'll go to work. All right. I'll take her out somewhere for a little while. But remember, you're going to pay the expenses. Uh, yes. Uh, are these the packages, Mrs. Twitchell? Oh, yes. As soon as they're loaded, I'll take them down to the express office. Oh, incidentally, I hope I'll find my car in good condition. Oh, you'll find it all right. I mean, you'll find it all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after I overhauled it all, though, the, the judge called something to my attention. And what was that? Well, the judge is quite an expert. He seemed to think that there was a, well, a sort of a Swiss movement in the motor. Oh, he did. Yeah. He thought that if you didn't mind, he'd try to get it out. Oh, well, all right. I'll be in town again tomorrow. Oh, I think he'd rather have you do it, uh, you do it right now. Now? Yes, he feels that he could save time that way. <laughs> all right, if it won't take too long. Oh, it won't, it won't. Merely a minor adjustment. Uh, Judge, uh, Mrs. Twitchell says it'll be all right. You mean for me to get the watch out? Uh, what's that? Uh, yeah, uh, be sure to watch out for trouble. Uh, take your time, Judge. Take your time. Uh, don't worry, he'll watch out. Uh, while he's working, would you care to step out for a bit of sherbet? Oh, uh, no. No, I do. Oh, oh what's that? Uh, what's what? That? Uh, you must have very sharp ears. I can't hear a thing. <laughs> would you like to go out for a banana split, Mrs. Twitchell? I know a place where they make the drippiest banana splits. Oh, no, no, I really don't... Now, Mr. Gildersleeve, surely you heard that. Oh, yes, those chimes are certainly beautiful. <laughs> uh, that weren't chimes. Uh, those is my car. <laughs> oh, what's he doing to it? Uh, now, don't worry, Mrs. Twitchell, he's just tuning it up. <laughs> uh -huh. 
Sounds like wheeling steel makers tuning up. <laughs> now, just compose yourself, my dear. The judge knows what he's doing. Uh, say, I know what you need. Oh, you do? What? A nice big bowl of chili con carne. Come, come, Mrs. Twitchell. I know a place where they serve the hottest chili in town. With all the beans and onions you want thrown in free. Of all the consarn, ding dang, foo piece of machinery I ever had the misfortune to get up. Well, hello, Judgey. Wow, you certainly declared total war on that motor. It's all out. If, if find the watch? No, and I've done everything, even strained the oil. Oh. Say, where's Mrs. Twitchell? Well, I left her at the movies. I sneaked out while she wasn't looking. But you were supposed to stick with her. Well, I'd have done it, too, if Hopalong Cassidy was only there to help me. Oh, what's Hopalong Cassidy got to do with it? He keeps me awake. Anyhow, it's after ten, and she'll be back pretty soon. And, brother, if that car isn't all in one piece, you won't be either. Oh, when I look at all these parts scattered from one wall to the other, I don't think I'll ever get it back together again. <laughs> oh, come on, help me. Won't you give it a sleep? Well, I'll tell you what I'll do, Judge. I'll give you just as much help as you gave me this afternoon. No, 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 no. No, that isn't fair. Uh, you better this. All the pretty girls have gone home. Okay, I'll do it myself. I always knew you'd turn out to be a fair-weather friend. Well, it's raining. Judge Hooker. Say, Bertie told me you were here, so I hurried over just as soon as I got home. Leroy, what are you doing out so late? Well, gee, I had to come. I clean forgot to tell Judge Hooker about his watch. What about my watch? Well, you left it on the engine and I picked it up. Here it is, Judge. What? And I did all this work for nothing? Oh, Judge Hooker, is my car ready? Oh, jumping jeeps, Mrs. Twitchell. Come on, Leroy, quick. Let's duck out the back way. Goodbye, Judge. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, from now on, we're going to be on wartime. And if time means money, wartime means that our country needs all the money we can spare. And when you invest in defense bonds and saving stamps, you all join in saying, You're a hard man, MacArthur. Good night. <laughs> Be with us again next week at the same time for the further adventures of the great Gildersleeve. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Shadow, followed by Duffy's Tavern. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.